Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, to your brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. And today we're very pleased and honored to be joined by Chris McGregor. And Chris has written uh, a forward to the new book that's out from Ignatius Press, Women Mystics by Father Louis Boyer, and uh, this should be Joe Resinello. This is going to be a very interesting conversation. I have, I have a feeling. So, uh, Chris, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you guys. I've listened to your show for a long time, and um, I always find you very captivating. So to be caught in this net with you guys um, is uh, a, a joy. So thanks well, for having me. Absolutely. And we promise, Chris, we're not going to get you in too much trouble out there in Radio Land. Trust um, you. I trust you completely. So, all right. No and uh, for those of you who are out there uh, just uh, who are not familiar with Chris, Chris McGregor is the founder of discerninghearts.com. And that is an online resource for the best in contemporary Catholic spirituality. And the book that we're going to be talking about, Father Louis Boyer, uh, who wrote Women Mystics. Uh, he was born to a Parisian Protestant family, ordained as a Lutheran pastor at age 23. He converted to the Roman Catholic faith in 1939 and was ordained a priest for the oratory in 1944. And he became a prolific theological writer and teacher worldwide. His works have had an enduring impact on Catholic theology. Now, with having said all of that, I am going to hand it over to Joe Resinello, and we're going to have a fantastic conversation with Chris McGregor. Chris, we always begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most mm -hmm. gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word, incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. Name of the mm -hmm. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, I will admit, before the show, uh, Chris was kind enough to help us to pronounce Louis Boyer's name. We didn't know how to do it. But I had to say that because our wives are Haitian-American and they speak French. So anytime I pronounce something French, I'm waiting for my wife to laugh at me. So I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> happens on it. I tell you, it happens on a daily basis because I, I, in my profession, I have to d deal a lot with wine, and obviously the French are known for their wines. And when I try to pronounce some of those names, my wife, just like Joe said, my wife just sits back and she can't wait till I butcher, you know, you know, Chateau Beaucastel. Let's say <laughs> my wife chuckles. How many people are still trying to grapple with the fact that we say Saint Therese instead of Saint Teresa, the little flower, or we? Uh, and, or if you get in one of the, some of these real brainiac theologians and they're talking about Athanasius, or is it Athanasius? I, I'm not sure. We just, <laughs> you have to just say it the way we understand it. Well, that's you know, right. And, uh, that's yeah, right. So and we'll do okay. our best not to butcher, but you, you, you set us on a good road. 
Chris, let well, me ask you, you this, just, just uh, before we get into the conversation. So uh, before the show, you were saying, so you're in Nebraska. Correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, but Nebraska, like most people think of, let's say, the Midwest, okay? Obviously, you think of right. uh, the first, they say, like, religiously, you think American Protestantism, okay? But correct me if I'm wrong, Nebraska is a heavily Catholic state. Am I correct in that? Well, the, in the Archdiocese of Omaha alone, we, we're probably over 60% Catholic in the state. Um, and uh, Lincoln, the area is very Catholic. Um, okay. And well, you so guys had a great blessed. bishop there, Brukat, uh Polish gentleman, started with a B. I, oh, you're thinking of Bishop Ruskowitz. Yes. I yeah. mean, he set the tone, Lincoln? I think. I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't know that much about it, but I knew he was phenomenal. Oh, he was. Uh, and before him was uh, Bishop Flavin who uh, really set a tone in Lincoln. We have in the Archdiocese of Omaha, we're just uh, north of Lincoln, and we're part of a, our, what, they, what they would say in our area, our conference is Grand Island, which is butts up against uh, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Lincoln Diocese. And then there's the large Omaha Diocese that uh, extends for, I mean, you could drive all day and not get to the end of it. So yeah, just the pioneers of faith have come here over the years and have laid the foundations to a very strong Catholic community. So yeah, we had nuns who would travel up the Missouri River in the in the hottest of times. And it doesn't get quite um, as hot anywhere else but in Omaha in the, in the middle of the summer, 100 degree weather, and yet they would come in their, uh, their full habits to come and minister to people and witness to them. And of course, in Omaha, we have, I don't know if how many of you have ever seen, I don't know if I'm dating myself now, guys, but uh, Father Flanagan's Boys Town. Um, you know, the My mother used to threaten me with that when I was a kid. <laughs> well, it, it, it <laughs> served to... Well, maybe you should have gone, Joe. <laughs> probably, I probably should have been there. She used to do that. No, but, it's, you know, so, yeah. Thanks for asking. The folks of Omaha say hey to everybody. It's, hey, well, the you could see, it's a heartbeat of Catholicism. Let's just you, say you, that. you could say, hey, right back to them from the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're talking with Chris McGregor. So, Chris, just to you know, start it off. So this book, Women Mystics, Father Louis mm -hmm. Boyer, now that's out from Ignatius Press, and we encourage our audience members, please support our Catholic publishers. Buy it from the publisher. Um, what attracted you? What attracted you to the book? Well, I happened to be in Rome um, for the canonization of who would become Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity in 2017. And I was at a discernment house staying there uh, that was founded by Pope Benedict XVI. He was then Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger and Father Fezio. And uh, as I was preparing for the, the canonization, I mean, it was the night before, Father Survey, who heads up the the house said, have you ever heard of this, this book? It's called Women Mystics by Louis Boyer. And Father Boyer is a, was a great friend of Father Fezio's, a very uh, close companion friend with Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. And um, I said, no, I hadn't. And he handed it to me. And I was just fascinated by it because not only did it have things on Elizabeth of the Trinity, who a lot of people didn't know very much about anyway when this was first written in the 90s, but it talked about a, a woman I had never really heard of, Hedwig of Antwerp. And... Um, and then it also mentioned Edith Stein, Teresa Benedict of the Cross, who I hadn't, I don't know about you guys, but I had never really considered her what at that time I understood a mystic to be. And so I started reading it and um, it, it took a, fa a fascinating bent because Father Boyer not only talks about the women, but he talks about men. 
He talks about the guys that uh, were influenced by these women and who maybe brought their writings out and their teachings out forward even more. So um, I, I looked at the book. I thought I'll get a copy of my own and could not find it. Found out it was out of print. And I said to Father Fezio, hey, Father Fezio, <laughs> what about women mystics? I said, it's out of print. And he went, it is. And so he decided to bring it back. And that's the story of how yeah, uh, three years. Listen, Father, Father Fessio picks up the phone, he makes things happen. You know what I mean? Could have well, something to do with yeah, the vowel at the end of his name. <laughs> He's a mover and shaker, that guy. God bless us all for having him in our lives over these no, many years. No, absolutely. Where Joe and I have are going to have the uh, the honor of of interviewing him very in the very near future. So we're we're definitely looking forward to that. Joe Racinello, where do you want to go? I guess like let's just lay some ground uh, terms. What is a mystic? I mean, like you know, people have lots of different ideas, but how does the church define that? Well, let me ask you this, if you don't mind. Sure, what do sure. you think a mystic is? I mean, what, what's what do people usually think of when they think of a mystic? Well, I, I would think visions, like off the top of my head, like you have some type of like vision of say the you know, Our Lady or Jesus or a message through a vision. That That's like from a layman's perspective what I would think. I think sure. uh, when I think of a mystic, I think of somebody who's, whose senses are on a, a slightly higher level. They see more clearly than we do. They hear more clearly than we do. Um, and because there is someone who's communicating with them, I think God gives those those people a particular grace to be able to do that joe that's biden's what i think a mystic, when i think a mystic. what's that joe biden's a mystic he's exactly who comes to mind joe I'm, I'm actually i'm glad you brought that up he 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 sees it here's on a different level i just don't know if it's a higher level so, but chris that's we told you we were going to try that we're not going to get you into too much trouble yeah chris, i'm not going to comment on that one all right but um no, in a in a very real way you guys are absolutely right that's what a mystic is but the thing is um when we talk about who mystics are, a lot of times, too, we think about Padre Pio, right? We think of people with stigmatas and some extraordinary uh, occurrences that happen. But in actuality, a lot of people will be surprised to, to know that um, it, when we look at what, how does the church define it? You can go back to the very early church when we were baptized Okay, and in at that time they called it being initiated into the mystery. Okay, so when you're baptized, mystery, the mysterium, that's a Greek word for sacrament. So when you are initiated, when you say yes, I want in baptism the yes of confirmation, that the amen, the essentially the yes to receiving the Eucharist, every single time you are being brought into the mystery and you end up in baptism and once a lot of these women are trying to uh, remind us of all all of us including the men that are mentioned in this book that you were baptized not only into the mystery but the mystery has been baptized into you okay it is not i who live but christ who lives in me paul would say that was his great awakening and then um jesus in john 17 he'll say that uh, at that very last of that great prayer at um right before his his um the paschal experience the the mystery he he will say father that let them know that you and i are one and i am um they are in us 
and I am in them. So the the place that mystery, I mean, I can't think of anything more mystical because the divine life comes to dwell in you and me, especially through baptism. That's why he sends them out to go baptize them. That's the thing that Christ says, go out and baptize them. Because at that moment, he comes to dwell in them. And where he is, the Father is, the Holy Spirit is, where the Father is, that's heaven, he comes to dwell in us. Now, why is that important? Because when we, all of us, are then, because we've been incorporated into that mystical body, we become mystics. And the great lie, it's like a diabolical lie, actually, to think that, to hear something that, oh, you're not, I can't be, that's not me. There's nothing you know, right now we're hearing people are leaving the church because they don't want religion, but they want spirituality. But there's nothing more spiritual, nothing more mystic. Think about that, that God comes to dwell in me. So you always hear about how we need to listen more. We need to have silence because he's speaking to us. He's even suffering with us in our pain. He's, he's wanting to connect with us, to have a special word. You know, so you have uh, a Therese, uh, Therese Little Flower. When you look at this book, who would have thought Therese was a mystic? Mm. But indeed, that's exactly what she was, because she was able to hear something that it's in the suffering of the little, of the daily, everyday little things. Those extraordinary graces that can pull, um, that flow into you so that you can suffer taking care of the laundry, taking care of the kids, putting putting the food on the table, whatever that is, or if you're suffering from an illness, the strength to be able to do, or do it and to do it in such a way that you become a light to the world. Now that takes something special. You don't have to do a yoga pose. You don't have to do any type of mindfulness project or anything like that. You just have to be quiet and receive that impouring of grace that comes through a sacramental life. And that's essentially what women mystics, even though they all have this extraordinary thing, what they're trying to do is communicate to you, it's already there. Don't forget, you mystic, you Christian, baptized baptized into Christ and being Christ out in the world. Does that make sense, guys? I mean, uh, sure. Guys? No, no. It makes, all, it makes all the sense in the world. Chris McGregor is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing Father Louis Boyer's book, um, Women Mystics. It's out from Ignatius Press. Let me ask you this, Chris. Joe and I talk about a lot of things. We talk about mm -hmm. the culture war. We talk about politics. We talk about it all, okay? I believe in my heart of hearts. Now, this is, might seem obvious to people who might be listening to me, um, mm -hmm. but I've thought about it. Are we not, when we're in a state of grace, you mentioned living a sacramental life, okay? Are we not to one, to, on one level, uh, able to see more clearly, to hear more? Like, as I, I mentioned earlier, yeah. that amongst, you know, amidst all this confusion out there, okay, um, amidst all this darkness, okay, I firmly believe that when you're in a state of sanctifying grace that you get to through the sacraments of the church, these things are not shocking to us. We, in fact, see exactly what it is. Um, I'd like your comment on that. And Joe, yours too, because, uh, but Chris first, because I think that, that you know we can attain a certain level of mysticism simply by being in a state of sanctifying grace. Your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Joe. I mean, the thing is, you end up seeing with Christ's eyes. You see the world. 
you see the the reality of it, the honesty of it. That's why when we looked at Mother Teresa, for example, no doubt that she was a mystic. Okay. But the the fact is when you looked at her, the whole world looked at her and said, Oh, holy, 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 right? When Mother Teresa looked out at you, she saw Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. She saw holy. She saw Christ in everybody she met. You begin to see the reality of the suffering of the world, of the um, sadness and the the depravity of why he came into it to try to free us from it, to say, this isn't going to make you happy. That's why, like when we hear the Beatitudes and all that stuff, it's all paradox. It's like, how can, the, how can being humble and lowly uh, exalt, be exalted and greatly blessed? How can, uh, if I'm suffering and people are attacking me, how can that be a good thing? And yet somehow it's only through that extraordinary experience of grace that you're able to endure it and to suffer it and still um, be like him and be a light to others. And that's the only thing that's going to transform this world. Um, Tell me about it. I mean, ultimately, that's the thing. Joe, your thoughts. No, I just want to say, like, I think a lot of Catholics underestimate the value of the sacramental life. Like, people go through the motions. Mm -hmm. They baptize their kid. I always think of what uh, Pope John Paul II said, the greatest day of my life was the day I was baptized. I mean, one could make the argument that he was the greatest single figure of the 20th century. An Mm -hmm. argument can be made for that. Mm-hmm. Yet he says the greatest day of his life was when he was baptized. And to live a sacramental life in marriage, in the single life, in the religious life is huge. But people don't look at it that way. And I think this is my opinion. Um, people don't go to confession because mm-hmm. that opens up the floodgates of grace. Many people go to church, but they don't go to confession. You have to. Mm-hmm. But then when you do that, it's like a hose. It's all clogged. You got to unclog it. And then the grace flows. The water flows out of the hose and you see the world differently. You see people differently. Um, And I think that that has to be recaptured. I think if we could convince America, particularly because this is where we live, that that is something to value, because I'll be honest with you, Chris, people don't value it. People value, like what I say, like you see people, families, they value, they want their kids to go into a great school. They want them to get a good job. They want them to play football. Do they value that? Well, it doesn't look like they do. That's the most important thing. But we have to have America recapture that because to to your point, that is a mysticism. Now, I, you know, like you might not see a vision of the Blessed Mother, but mm-hmm. you will see the world clearly and you will steer away from things that will destroy you. And that's what is not happening in America right now. Exactly. And the thing is, in, in by receiving those graces, too, he wants to heal us, just like that woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. He wants to be able to come into that and to heal those wounds. All right. But um, and so when we go to confession, it's 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 so it's more it's the magis. When you become a Catholic, we have this fullness of communion. Right now we're learning, we're hearing a lot about charisma, right? And about how we need to meet Jesus. We've got to encounter Jesus Christ. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, a lot of people watching the the chosen and Jesus is so, you know, we love Jesus. But it if we, that's all we talk about, 
why become Catholic? If it's just about it, it, getting to know him and opening up, that's the charisma. Okay, so we have this time of catechesis, and Catholic Radio has been on the forefront of trying to get that done. We tell everybody about the faith. We can say all the who, the what, the where, and the why. And so when, by, by the time you be, are baptized, you're supposed to move into the period of what is called mystagogia. Okay, that's now it's now the whole new ball game. You've opened up the door. You've you are gone into the waters. You've been baptized. Come out, this Christian. He comes to dwell in you, and there's an explosion of grace. And we don't know what to do with that. And we haven't been really good as Catholics explaining that. You know, when you you know Christ, and when you're a Catholic, it's the more you are actually touching His garment like that woman who uh, sought him out in the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. sick. He's actually laying his hands on you. When you receive the Eucharist, he's actually coming in you. You are taking his flesh. You are drinking his blood. So what does that mean? You know, and it gives you the grace to do something that a lot of us can't do right now, and that's to forgive. You know, a lot of times we forget what what's real forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't so much about having the warm fuzzies about somebody down the road. And all of a sudden, I feel okay about everything that happened. Forgiveness is, I accept that this happened. I accept a friend hurt me uh, and did something terrible to me. I know this friend. I get it. I see clearly what's going on here. I accept that I that it happened, and I move on. It doesn't mean that you have to be pals with them for the rest of your life. It doesn't mean that you have to say what they did was right or anything like that. But I accept that it happened. And now I'm going to move on. Well, forgiveness you know. is, is certainly sorely lacking, you know, yeah. in the world. And not just on the individual level, but also on, on, on the level of, you know, ethnic groups and racial groups. And everybody's got a beef and nobody's willing to forgive anybody. That's right. You know, nobody's, willing, nobody's willing to say, this happened. Probably not to themselves, probably to their ancestors. Okay, right. This happened, and uh, and 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 who, for those who perpetrated it, I forgive them. I don't harbor. See, G Jesus is always talking about the heart. Chris right. McGregor joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. If you're not forgiving, then that means that in your heart you're harboring resentment or okay. hatred. Well, Jesus can't coexist there with in your heart if 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 if, if there's hatred in there. You have to get rid of it. Um, and that seems to be the problem is that, again, I know it's a little bit of a rant, but nobody wants to forgive nowadays. It seems like it, yeah. it's, it's, it's in vogue not to forgive. Well, and that's what this whole thing in the book, Women Mystics, but why you would read the story of uh, Edith Stein, Teresa Benedict of the Cross, brilliant mind, brilliant woman who reads Teresa of Avila's uh, life of Teresa of Avila and says, this is truth. And all she wants to do now is to go in and to, to dive more deeply into a contemplative life, to just sit in that life of grace and contemplate Christ. But her superiors, out of obedience, tell her that she needs to start writing again. She needs to start teaching because there's something important there. So she does that under obedience, not, not to you know have a brand or to go on the conference circuit, but she does it because she has to let that truth out. So what happens? Um, they're coming for her. They're coming for her, and the the bishop says, it's okay, you can, out of prudence, you can get on that boat and go to Brazil. And she says no. Uh, the, the heads of her, of her order tell her, it's okay, you can take that ticket, and you can get on that boat and go to Brazil and escape, because they're coming for you. And she says no. Now, prudence would say, you should go. 
supra abundance, graceful, mystical type of entering into the suffering of Christ and the uniting that says, I'm going to stay and I'm going to witness. I'm going to get on the train. I'm going to be stripped. I'm going to carry a child and I'm going to walk into a, a place I'm not coming out of. That's what that's what mystical graces do for us. That's what the grace of the sacramental life. That's why Catholics, this is and it's it and it's so much deeper. You know, if you if you want to just be numbed from the pain of your life, you can take drugs. And again, you can get into states of euphoria through all kinds of other things. But if you truly want to heal and you want to and 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 it matter that the suffering you're going through today. That, it, that there's a reason for it somehow, and that it's going to be okay, um, then that's, you know, in a very real way, that's why the church is so important. And that's why it's not going to go away. It's going to last for 2,000 years. Other things will come and go, but this is going to remain because it's, um, it's built on, well, it's built on the Alpha and the Omega. It's built on Christ. Absolutely. Chris McGregor joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Go out and buy the book uh, that Chris wrote the forward to, Father Louis Boyer's Women Mystics, available at Ignatius Press. Joe, we have a, we have a couple minutes before the break. Which, where, where do you want to go? Well, let's just like start this question. It's, it's rather large, but I think it's an important one. Um, I think the church, the Catholic church, gets a bum rap. They always, you know, talk about, you know, the secular press about how it doesn't value women. But I mean, mm -hmm. we have Our Lady, who is, you know, basically the greatest example of humanity, like born of a, of a, of a man and a woman. Um, but then there's so many saints. You mentioned a couple of them, Teresa of Avila, all the way up to, say, Dorothy Day, that mm. steered Christianity. I mean, Dorothy Day was was. Mm -hmm. a, like I've, I read a couple of books on her because she's from the New York area. Amazing human steered mm -hmm. Christianity. Um, let's talk about that because I think like too many people bad mouth the Catholic church about its view on women when women in many ways steer the church. It's men that have to step up. If you ask me, uh, and many of the saints, female saints have moved the church Catherine of Siena comes to mind. She advised the Pope. I mean, like when there was a schism. I mean, talk about that, because I think it, it doesn't get enough good press, and it's true. Oh, I think it's absolutely true. I mean, he chose to be born of woman. And we, you know, as you said, Joe, and we honor that and we we reverence that. Women have, have played such an important role in the church that in a very, if you want to have the world's accolades and the world's spotlight on everything that is done, then you can get that. And you can, I mean, and that may be subpar, but the people that, and especially those women who have chosen to love and to nurture and to care for those women who started the orders in the hospitals and the, uh, and, and the countless, um, I, I just get it, it boggles my mind as well that you would think that they they don't have a voice and yet they do. Think about the complementarity of say a Francis uh, of Assisi. Where would he have been without Claire? Where would Francis de Sales if he hadn't had Jane de Chantal? Uh, Vincent de Paul, you know, the, the um, was it Louis de Marliac? There's so many times the guys were out there preaching. They were on the stump, and the women were organizing the institutes and the functionality, and actually, like Mother Teresa, were out there dealing with the poor. 
they they were doing what was a part of their nature. It was the the maternal nurturing nature. They didn't, um, you know. Oftentimes, there's the 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 question becomes, well, why can't women be priests, for example? Well, why can't men have babies? You know, there's a because I I've had three. There's nothing more incredible than to to have that nine month of experience and then to ha have this child come out of your womb and to be a part of that that's something even though my husband on the outside experienced it um from his vantage point as husband and now father he'll never have that with me but do i need to have everything now i got to have the power of the church and i got to have this and that see that's a lie and the father of lies wants women they want he wants women to believe that. Chris, let's take a break real quick. Chris McGregor's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. This is a great conversation. We're talking about uh, women mystics, Father Louis Billier's book um, that's out from Ignatius Press. Christopher with the forward to that book. Um, Chris, real quick, where can folks uh, follow you and learn more about what you have going on? Uh, DiscerningHearts.com. Discerning, DiscerningHearts.com. Stick around with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We'll be right back with Chris McGregor. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach with someone who doesn't mind going into the breach, Chris McGregor. And we're speaking about women mystics. Um, and that is a book that was written by Father Louis Boyer, available at Ignatius Press. Chris wrote the forward to it. Um, let's uh, let's stay on where we were to a degree before the, the break, okay? Um, because... You mentioned you, you. There you go, being naughty again, Chris. You know, in the modern world, talking about roles. I think you even use the word role. Okay, mm -hmm. R O L E. Um, that, that's a naughty, naughty word. That men have roles, women have roles. Okay, I thought you know everything nowadays. You know, amongst the confusion out there, is to break down these roles and and uh, and redefine everything. Well, Father Rutler, uh, Father George Rutler. Everybody mm -hmm. knows who he is. Well-known priest in New York City. This is what he had to say about Father. Boyer's book, and I would love your comments, Chris McGregor. The Christian women, this is a quote, the Christian women who have enjoyed the mystical vision of God are clearly a voice of reason amidst all the foolishness said about women in today's confused world. Close quote. God, Chris, I can't wait for your comments on that because there is a lot of, there is a lot of confusion out there. So uh, what are your thoughts there? Well, and I think it's important that women speak to that too. It's hard when you're when you have men telling us um, that what we should uh, our proper roles are, or what we should do, or how we should function and experience God. And sometimes it just has to come from the voice of women, and that there was no, nothing a, a voice that was more down to earth, more practical, more reasoned in all this than Teresa of Avila. At the you know at the height, she was uh, the Mother Teresa. Until this little woman from from Calcutta came along, if you were talked about Mother Teresa and the spiritual life, you were talking about her, and she. Uh, it, it's it's so important that we listen to the complementarity of the woman's voice and contribution 
in spirituality. Pope Benedict XVI did a great series of audiences in uh, beginning of August of 2010, where he talked about these holy women mystics, you know, whether it was, uh, again, it was Hildegard von Bingen or Teresa of Avila, uh, Claire of Assisi, Gertrude the Great, and uh, so many other women we may never even heard of, Julian of Norwich. And he said, the thing is, theology is missing something very important if we don't listen to them because women have a particular way of viewing of looking at the world of 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 experiencing things and giving it voice you know oftentimes you can in theology you have uh, all these theologians get together and they will take i don't know if you guys experienced it seems like they have five gallons of sap from the tree and it takes them uh, forever just to get down to that one little cup that helps it make any sense women have a way of doing that and articulating things and actually implementing them boots on the ground to get it done you know uh, you talked about uh, dorothy day she's a hero of mine that woman was a mystic and you want to know how you know she was a mystic not only did she spend an hour every day in front of the blessed sacrament praying but because of the distressing disguise of Christ that she experienced in her prayer, she saw that in the people of New York or the Washington, D.C., or wherever it was that she set up one of her one of her um, houses to be able to take care of the poor. But you also know she'd had it because who would have had the courage at that time in the um, the that part of the 20th century to come out and say she had an abortion? And how it, it, she regretted it, it caused her pain and suffering her entire life. She and was a she communist, too. Yeah. And then well, she changed. I mean, she was a radical, radical woman. I mean, like before and after her conversion. Yeah, that's the thing. We're not a Eucharistic people if we don't believe in the power of transformation. That's why even if, you know, I have to be honest with you, I mean, for those Catholics that are in politics, and I have to just, I'm, I'm listening to their stances on things, and they're Catholics, I mean, they, they, will, they will get on their knee and they will kiss the Pope's ring, and yet they will not defend the right of every human life to exist. You know, um, I pray for them. We have to pray for them, ask for God's mercy, um, and believe that you know, God wants them to be saints too. They could end up becoming the greatest of saints. It will take that type of prayer. That would takes the prayer of um, those those little people in the church. Remember Dorothy Day, her story, how she one night after being in Greenwich Village for an all-nighter or something like that, and she saw these women who continually were going up. Where were they going? They were going into this building, into a church, and she followed them one day. And just saw them praying. Can you imagine the power of those women's prayers to transform the heart of this one woman who would then seek out to become a Catholic? That's how it's done. That's how it's in that transformative nature. It, it is. Um, I don't know if I answer your question, Joe. No, no, it's no. To, I, I think know, it's no. like the thing I want to emphasize what you're saying is, and I want actually afterwards to circle back to who are the five people in the book specifically, sure. but I want to talk about Dorothy Day and all saints in general, they're radical people. You mm -hmm. see, you're not going to follow Christ unless you're radical. 
Christ was the most radical human being who ever walked the earth. Everyone wants to be radical, kids in college. No one's more radical. You want to be radical? Be a Catholic. But you look at people like Dorothy Day, Teresa of Avila, Mother Teresa, Claire of Assisi, radical people. Mm-hmm. And that's the way to get into heaven. We're afraid. People are afraid because they don't, as I always say, Chris, they want to get invited to the barbecue. Everyone wants to get invited to the barbecue. When you're a radical person like Dorothy Day, you don't get invited to the barbecue. You get invited into heaven, though. That's Mm -hmm. where you go. And that's what we have to do, each of us. You mentioned mysticism. You mentioned sitting in front of the Blessed Sacrament. How much time do guys spend in the gym? Two Mm -hmm. hours a day? Two hours a day. How much time do you pray? You know, I have learned this in my life. You get out what you put in. That's in everything, but that's also in our faith. Are we putting in the time with Jesus, going to adoration, praying the rosary, going to confession, reading the scripture, fasting, all those things, giving money? Oh, did I say that? Oh, who said that? Giving money to people who need it when you have it. You become holy. These are like, you know, people think it's like it comes from the sky. It doesn't come from the sky. Just like someone bench presses 400 pounds. They didn't do that the first day they did it. We have to do that. That's what these people did. What do you guys think? I I think we're missing it. We we spend time on everything else. Reading, studying, taking the LSATs, going to work, blah, 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 going to the gym. Okay. All that means nothing when we're dead. Yeah, and I think for women in particular, Joe, I mean, part of what what the lie that we're uh, being fed right now is that what you have in your life is just not enough. That, you know, it's always you should be doing something else over there and somehow I'm missing the boat. But the fact is that God has placed us on this Kronos timeline right here at this particular point in this particular place where you're at. And he's asking you to do what you can right where you're at. You don't have to think, oh, I, I can't can't go down to the, the missions down the street to do work. He might be asking you to do that. He might be asking you at some point in your life to maybe go to India or to Haiti or, or just uh, to, to go to the march in Washington. He might. But one thing for sure is he's asking you to be where, exactly where you're at. That to love that person, that neighbor that's next door, to be kind, to listen, and to look for him in them. How can you help the person that you encounter today? But you're not going to see him if you're not praying. Like Joe, you were saying, you have to, you're not going to recognize him because you've never spent time with him. You know, that's a lot of the, the women mystics and the men that are in here from John of the Cross to Jean's Rusebrock, people that you may never have heard of before. They, you have to take that moment to sit with him and to listen because he's in you. You don't have to go encounter him and try to find him. See, that's the big mystery. You hear about the the saints, uh, uh, Teresa of Avila, again, she can talk about an interior castle and how once you go into all the rooms, guess where you're going to find the king? He's right there sitting on the throne of your heart. He's right there. So that's the thing we're afraid, though. Can't have silence. 
got to fill it up, got to have noise. And never has there been an age where uh, I, I, I've got to have more and more noise because if I'm silent, I get fidgety. And unfortunately, with social media and the way it is right now, the Boystown uh, National uh, Hospital has done research on this. We can't even, when we fall asleep at night, we can't even have that period. I'm probably older than you guys and remembering this. Remember when the TV went off about one o'clock? Oh, was I it. remember that. They played yeah, the Star-Spangled Banner. <laughs> yeah, it did not come back on until maybe 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Well, now we have constant sound. And then we pick up our phone and you don't have to do any coke, you don't have to do any kind of drug. You can just sit there and scroll because that produces dopamine and other things in your brain to drug you. And so you don't even have the silence anymore. I don't want to hear you, Lord, tell me I, I shouldn't look at that one website. I don't want to hear you, Lord, tell me I need to let go of my food addiction. I can't go to the refrigerator and have just one more piece of cake because it's not so much about the cake and losing weight. It's about something that's got a hook on me that I can't, I can't say no to. So if I can't say no to that, I can't say yes to you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, um, Chris McGregor joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing Father Louis Boyer's book, uh, female, oh, excuse me, women mystics. Uh, that's out from Ignatius press. Just, uh, real quick, just a couple of, uh, facts about the book. Who are, we probably mentioned a couple of them already, but who are the, the five women, um, that Father Boyer focuses on in the book? Uh, well, he focuses on the four real, the, the big Carmelite nuns, Teresa of Avila, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, Elizabeth of the Trinity. There's another story. And uh, Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Edith Stein. But he begins it all with Hadwick of Antwerp, who was a peer, uh, would have lived at the time of Julian of Norwich, Catherine of Siena, Bridget of Sweden, that 1300 period where uh, extraordinary things were happening. She wasn't a nun. She probably was a wife and a mother. Uh, she had some type of uh, maybe a more upper class because she understood how to read and write. And it was her experiences of prayer, this housewife, who was along with a lot, a lot of other housewives called Beguines at the time. They weren't, again, a part of a religious order, but were women who were in their homes experiencing the steps of prayer. And all of them have the same thread. They want to remind you, don't forget where God is. He's not, the lie is that he's somewhere out there. If you're, if you're struggling right now, if you have listeners right now who are sitting there going, oh, I've got antsy. I just want to have peace. I'm, I want, I'm, again, I'm going to use the term spiritual, but not religious. That's, that's that God inside of you. He wants to reach out to you and he wants to draw you even deeper. And the women would say, as you draw deeper, their experiences of the sacraments of the Eucharist, because of baptism, it changes everything, and it gives meaning to everything. But you got to say yes. You got to start, and and Catholics need to help others get there. We're not always that good about that. We're not good about talking about how the the great mystery that it, it's bigger than Circus Soleil that's happening at the Mass. There's this what they call adiphatic and cataphatic movement. It's like this aerobics going up, up and down where the angels in heaven and he takes all of our pain and he lifts it up and then you walk out and some like you said very early on joe some you start to see with different eyes 
you start to begin to understand in a different way. Mm. You, you're drawn deeper into a mystery. And who knows, maybe God will do something through you. Maybe it'll just be you will be the parent that will lift up that that one who is the big light. But it doesn't mean that you're not a saint. Maybe you'll be the one who out of nowhere does something um, extraordinary. Chris McGregor, Chris McGregor, you mentioned earlier, I'm going to hand it over to Joe, but you mentioned earlier about saying yes, saying yes to God. And I always, uh, when we, whenever we have guests on, and obviously a lot of the things I listen to, I'm going to speak for myself personally, I, mm -hmm. I try to think about my own life, in other words, and, and apply what you're saying, let's say, to my own life. I will say this. I would, did had no clue while it was happening, okay? All I know is this. About 18 years ago, I said yes and went to, as Joe mentioned, to confession. Used to pass church every day in Parsippany, New Jersey, pass St. You know, Peter the Apostle every day and look at the church and say, I have to go to confession. One day I said yes, and I won't bore you with the long-winded story. Joe knows my story, all right? God is using me in a way that if I, back then I would have said, yeah, I, okay, I don't, I, I don't, I don't even know what's going on. Um, but it, it was what you just said reminded me of that. I don't necessarily have to be able to map it out or plan for it. Just keep saying yes. And you'd be surprised at what God does. And that's what we learn from the saints because they say, as Joe mentioned, and you mentioned, they give the most radical. Yes. They do mm -hmm. things that we couldn't even begin to imagine like it each time. All right. Getting on that boat would have been very easy and going to Brazil and said she dies in a concentration camp. Mm -hmm. like, like different things like that. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Chris McGregor, your thoughts. And then I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Well, your yes was very radical. I mean, today to go in there and just to receive it's as radical as the, the yes that said yes to the angel Gabriel of that 14 year old girl. It's our count, uh, countless fiats. We say yes all the time. Every time we say yes, something extraordinary, God can do something in that. It takes a lot of humili uh, humility. And look at you. Look at your host in the show. That's you're, amazing. You're doing I, this it project. is kind of crazy, like, to be honest with you. But, you know, I, I think about along what Joe was saying, saints are real people. Why mm -hmm. can't the three of us do that? Like that was one of the many things that John Paul II did. People said, why did he canonize so many people? He said, a saint is just someone that follows the will of God. That's mm -hmm. it. Like, like it's easy to say, but anyone can do that. That's within the grasp of all human beings, whether you went to Harvard or you can't read. All human beings can do that. And if you do that, God's greatness will go through you. Everyone chases after things that die. That never dies, ever. And it's in within the grasp of everyone. And I, I think that can't be underestimated. I, I think about that sometimes. Honestly, why can't I be a saint? Why not? Why can't you be a saint? Why not? <laughs> I got news for you. People who have a lot less than what the three of us have had and been given did. Mm -hmm. Why not? But speaking of people now, what women are impacting the world? 
now. There are people, you know, I, I'm interested in your thoughts, Chris. I immediately, uh, Sister Dee Byrne impressed me when I saw her mm -hmm. speak um, recently at the Republican convention. I thought she was amazing, a very gifted woman, um, doctor, went to Georgetown, was in the military. Uh, who are some folks that you think now are mystics in the church? Gosh, it's hard to say because we probably um, they're doing the work and we're not going to know them because they're not going to have a brand. They're not going to have press releases. They're not going to have all that stuff. We're going to, they're not going to be on them. Twitter. No, <laughs> they're, they're not going to be Catholic influencers. They probably won't be leading pil you know, all kinds of pilgrimages here and there and, you know, come and join our par party. And that's not to denigrate any of that, but you know, when you think about those great people, like you talked about, Mother, let's, somebody we can relate to, Mother Teresa, she didn't go out looking. They had to go find her. People started experiencing her, and then the news came and found her. You know, it's a lot of these nuns. They're the, the little sisters of the poor. They're not going out there trying to be the speakers of the world, but people are coming and they're saying, you have to come now and talk to us because we want to understand that. Chances are it's going to be those people who have an because they have this relationship, they'll okay, I'll share with you. Uh, Teresa Vavila, for example, she didn't write her her book to be able to sell uh, mass copies, which it did, and it changed that time. She did it out of obedience because her spiritual director said, you got to write this down. Okay, if you're if they're looking for it and they're saying, oh, hey, I'm a mystic, I have all these gifts, I have all this kind of stuff, they probably aren't. <laughs> Only because it, it, it you it has to reflect ultimately the humility of Our Lady, you know, who it, 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 it is the great whatever, whatever, do whatever He tells you, and I I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me, whatever that is. That's I, a radical. Know, I come to do your will. That that yep. word again, radical. It's a it's a radical trust in God that we all know about, we all talk about, and in many ways we do trust God. All right, but do mm -hmm. we are we really? See, we're talking about mystics, we're talking about saints. Okay. In other words, we yes, to say yes to God, that's radical. Okay. We we've all done it, okay, the, by the grace of God. But to have that radical be it done to me according to your word, I don't have that strength. I pray for it. I'm Italian. I want to plan out everything. Okay. I, I, you know, you know, I, yes, I trust God, but, but okay, God, but I have to go and do this today. You know, you know, we, we, we put our hands up sometimes and, and, and we block him, but, uh, but we want to be in the last couple of minutes, Chris, we, we, we promise we won't get you in too much trouble. Okay. okay. But, but there's certain questions we want to ask. Okay. Because sure. and clarify, um, you know, I, I know many, many good Catholics, very good Catholic, faithful Catholics who ask sincere questions like, why can't women be priests? Okay. Very dear mm -hmm. friend of ours who works closely with the Sisters of Life, very intelligent woman, very faithful. She thinks that women should be able to be priests, or at least she questions the church's position on that. Okay. Um, why, why can't women be priests? Why does the church close the door on that? Well, and it's part of all the, the, the divine order of things. I mean, God is a God of order, right? And so he He creates the, the Father sends the Son, and the Son chooses the the apostles, the the men of the church to to lead the institution. It doesn't, and so it comes down to us as a divine order. Uh, he created them male and female, as Genesis tells us. And we're both we're both in the image of God. 
to think that somehow, um, but he didn't choose men to be the mother of his children. Do you know what I mean? He didn't mm -hmm. choose uh, men uh, to do the types of things that women can do to nurture uh, human society. You know, it, where it, when the mother, the, that maternal role collapses, the family breaks down into terrible splinters, not on just the father, but it's also the mother. If there's a complementarity. And to think that somehow that this has just because this in your mind has power doesn't mean that they're not um, equal. You know, I mean, I can look at an equation. This is probably stupid, but uh, four plus one equals five. The three plus two equals five. Doesn't mean that they both don't come to the same point. They just look differently. And that's the way it is for males and females. Our roles in the church, the powerhouse of prayer, we're the ones that, as Chesterton would say, um, that men have to go out and toil. They got to do the work of uh, providing the food and giving us clothes, providing the home. The women are able to introduce their children to the universe. There's a particular type of role that women have. And I'm not just talking about women who actually give birth to children. I'm also talking to those, those nuns, those women who are at Valparaiso down, down the way from us in Lincoln, who are the Carmelites, who have given up everything and they just continue to pray, to sacrifice, to ask mercy upon the world. They are the heartbeat there's a complementarity between male and female. That's the natural order. There is an enemy that is trying to not only seduce um, our society, but also women and men to think that somehow it, it, when he can get you at your identity, if you can no longer uh, know who you are, that's the ultimate of chaos and confusion. And when you start to break that down, um, it, there, it causes all kinds of issues. So why can't men or women uh, be priests? Why do they need to be? That's the Great question. question. Why do you, yeah, why do you need to be a priest? How much more do we need to do? Do we need to do everything? I, that may some, well, seem simplistic, but I can... I can live with that. I don't. Well, you mentioned you mentioned again, Chris McGregor. You mentioned roles. Okay, you're mm -hmm. you're being very very naughty when you when you're mentioning roles. And there's roles for men. You meant men go out and fight the wars. Men go out and have to go to work. Men do all these things. I look at it this way: you take any women woman that that Joe and I let's say knew growing up, any Italian American Catholic woman in in Newark, New Jersey. Okay, did exactly what you just described. Mothers would do, and then I juxtapose that with the woman who's on a Zoom call who were about and very successful financially talking about her four kids, two of which are gay, one is pansexual and one is transgender. And I say, there's the difference between order and chaos. And that woman cannot tell me that she is not living a chaotic life. And she brought that to her children. Chris, we only have a couple minutes. But over to Joe for one more question. Chris, tell us about discerning hearts. Uh, I want to know what you're doing with that. I think that's great. Well, we're a, a Catholic apostolate nonprofit, and what we've been trying to do for the last 12 years is to help people go deeper and to climb higher and to be able to discern what you're hearing. It's one thing to uh, be able to sit and and listen, as we've said, to what God is asking you to do, but you're going to have the world talking to you a lot. You're going to have the enemy even more 
So how do you discern what it what God's will is for you? So we try to help folks in no matter, and everybody's different. So there's a lot of different ways to, to be able to climb that mountain and to go deeper into your heart. So we try to be that resource and for free. We don't, we don't, something happens when you start getting involved with the mammon, especially in the spiritual matters. Watch out. So That's I would agree. We don't get paid, Chris. That's, That's why it. our show's great. Because <laughs> we it. don't get paid. <laughs> you got to trust. I mean, Catholic, especially Catholic media people, you've got to trust what we say. If this is God's will and he wants this, he's going to provide for it. And when right. we start doing, we've come at, become an apostolic industry. That's, you know, in the United States, we got to be careful. Got watch yeah. it, watch it. I understand. You know? I And again, Joe and I say all the time, it'd be great great if we didn't have to work our day jobs you know what i mean mm -hmm. and 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 do this full time mm -hmm. uh but i think you're absolutely right i think sometimes the success and we don't begrudge anybody financial success not mm -hmm. not even for a second okay i'm with you Every, everybody's got to put food on the table but we do have to watch talk about discerning we do have to watch we have to be careful because we could we could get caught up in that we could get caught up in that celebrity everybody wants the clicks everybody wants the views okay everybody's got to mm -hmm. listen to me 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 Rather than right. like you said, Chris McGregor, just trust if you're doing the right thing, if you're doing what God wants, he'll provide, he'll That's provide, right. you know, That's and right. I, like I said, I'm working on that radical trust um, and, uh, and of course, praying for it. Chris McGregor, thank you so much. Uh, I love you guys. Up. This has been the best. You guys are awesome. Well, come on again. You're always welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. You got you're me. You're always Being welcome. Your boat would be great. Absolutely. So uh, so thank you again, Chris McGregor, for joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. And we would encourage our audience members to go out and buy the book, Women Mystics. That is by Father Louis Boyer. Chris McGregor uh, wrote the forward to the book and you could buy it at Ignatius Press. Chris, just to tell everybody, can they buy it at other places other than the publisher? Your favorite Catholic bookstore. Favorite Catholic nice, bookstore. Nice. Good. At least and it's tell not that big How to find discerning hearts. How do they find it? Oh, yeah. Uh, DiscerningHearts.com. We also have a free app. You can download and always free all the time. No one, yeah, anything you need. And well, we have a lot of people, good people on there. Father Tim Gallagher, uh, Anthony Lillis, Father Fezio does a lot of stuff. It's all free and it's for you. All right. Oh, thank you again, Chris McGregor. And thank you, uh, all those out there joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Uh, a couple things. Download the app and share it with your friends. We're an EWTN affiliate, and we have original programming, like The Frontline with Joe and Joe and others. So please download the app, share it with your friends. And hey, if you like what Joe and I do, uh, two primary places on social media, uh, the Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube, and we're building up our Twitter account now that we think it's a little bit more of a free, uh, an area of free expression of ideas, uh, at least right now it is. Uh, so you can follow us at with Joe and Joe, at with Joe and Joe on Twitter. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.